Christmas is. That is the series that we are in for the, the next couple of weeks. Uh, man, didn't our worship team do a great job this morning just leading us? I believe leading us into the presence of God, making sure that we realize and recognize that he's, he was already here waiting on you to just come and spend a little time, extra time with him today. We're in this series. Last week, we defined Christmas the way that we wanted to define Christmas in this house. Is Christmas is it's not a fantasy. It's not about getting, and it's not about all the commercialism and everything else that goes into this time of year, but Christmas is truly about faith. Christmas is truly about generosity, and even in the cliche of a society where we've heard this name over and over again, and almost so many times that it has become more monotonous than it has meaningful, Christmas is still, at the end of the day, the celebration of the one true king that God sent to rule and reign on this earth and in eternity, and his name is Jesus, and that is, he is what Christmas is all about. Okay, so with that as the introduction, I, I do still want to remind you that tonight at six o'clock, as you heard from um, the Grinch himself, that we are having the presentation again. Here is a legitimate, okay, it sounds like I'm being silly, but this is for real. Uh, if, if you want to come tonight, you've got some little ones that want to see this or you yourself want to see the production. Here's what I highly recommend. I recommend that you get here between the time of 5.30 and 5.50 and I recommend that you carpool. <laughs> True story. Yeah, I know. Some people, They laughed in first service too. I was like, no, really, for real. <laughs> like, you need to call somebody. Y'all come together in one vehicle. The more people in one vehicle. Yeah, you, never mind. I almost said something I should. Anyway, so just get, get into that vehicle and, and y'all all come and, and try to... We have the, I know they're blurred and we're working on it, I promise, but it's hard to paint lines when it's cold and wet. I just If you paint doesn't really dry really well in the cold and wet, but we still have some lines. So if you could do your best to not just intentionally park half halfway on top of one, that would be phenomenal, <laughs> phenomenal tonight. So uh, help us with that and then just be careful. But hey, come tonight and, and expect to have a great time. I want to celebrate actually, because Christmas is a celebration. I want to celebrate something genuinely. I want to celebrate your generosity in this time of year. I want to celebrate your giving, and I want to celebrate that you've not just made this season about that, but as a church, predominantly, we just have a generous culture. We have a giving church, and it's because you give that we're able to produce a set like we're able to produce and buy extra cameras to get extra angles and have these things on DVDs that we can get to people. We're not going live with this production because we want to keep it in-house. We want people to come. We don't want to just send it out all over the place and people lose interest, but we want to we take this and we want to use it. And so last night, listen, it's really, because you gave, we had 576 people come to, to be a part of this production last night. And hey, look, we were packed in here. I mean, like a stuffy ride at a bad, uh, at a bad whatever those parks are called that you, you know, like you get in the ride amusement park and you're like, oh man, when is the last time this dude bathed? Okay, but it's, but man, and we had a great time. And then at the end, because we took the purpose and we brought it back to the one that it should have pointed to, we were able to pray. And people, young, little ones, maybe for the first time ever, were able to pray a prayer of confession 
and some people heard the message of the gospel, how we don't wear a mask and we don't put on a covering, but we confess. And God had a, a plan for people that were in this sanctuary last night because you gave. Christmas Christmas today, is a re, as a reiteration of last week, Christmas, Christmas is an opportunity. That's what Christmas is. In this culture, Christmas is an opportunity. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, you can turn there or you can read along on the screens, write it down and go highlight it in your uh, paper manuscript or, and or handheld device later this afternoon. But Isaiah 9 said very clearly as a promise from God for his people that unto a child has been born, unto us a child has been born and a, and a son is given. And so why do we designate uh, 20 to 30 minutes to, to worship every week? Because we believe that God deserves it. Why do we take uh, five to 10 minutes every Sunday and talk about worshiping God with our giving? Why do I, as a pastor, um, try my best to unapologetically, even though I know that it may offend someone in the congregation or someone visiting that day, but, but why do we talk about giving back unto God and not just setting that side stuff aside to spend it in the name of Santa Claus? Why do we offer what we have unto God? Because God gave not only his first and his best, but his only offering to mankind once and for all unto us. A child is born and a son has been given. So listen, if God can give me his first, his best, and his only, then the least that I could do in recognition of his grace is bring him back the first fruits of everything that he's given me the ability to earn. It's a principle that I believe God puts his hand on and begins to reveal himself in, and he actually even challenges us, I believe, my interpretation, to test him in this. Because a son is given... The government will rest on his shoulders. It will rest. So not only did he give us a son in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago, but he's given us a king in Revelation that we can look to and hang on to. He's more than just a humble baby in a manger. He's a conquering king on a white horse. The son has come and the son is coming back. So wherever I'm standing, as long as I stand in him, I have a blessed hope that Jesus will rule and reign on this earth and in eternity once and for a lifetime as long as I'm in him I can do it with him he will be called he will be called whether you want to call him this or not whether you chose to live the life that would have reflected this or not he will be called come on say it with me this morning wonderful counselor ever, mighty God everlasting father and prince of peace let's try to get it right One Wonderful counselor, everlasting father. Did I mess it up again? Mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Study your scripture, preacher. As an excuse, I, I have this to offer. We, we wrote this little song with our kids, and, and we sing this around Christmas. It's uh, an essence of Isaiah 9, that wonderful Counselor, everlasting Father, wonderful Counselor, mighty God and Prince of Peace. And, and we just try to do our best in everything that we do to remind them that my life should reflect these words. That we try to do our best to remind them that my celebration should reflect these words. Wonderful Counselor, mighty God, 
everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. This year, I, I believe that we need to, number one, if you're taking notes this morning, we need to reevaluate. We need to reevaluate Christmas. I'm going to come right back to that because there are, there are two there are two major celebrations that we see, primarily two celebrations. We have this, this secular celebration of, of this season. Um, and the secular celebration excludes the name of Jesus and still celebrates faith uh, in whatever it is that they have faith in. They still celebrate family. Uh, they still celebrate finances. They still celebrate food, but, but there's an exclusion of the name of Jesus. Now, hang on before you put yourself in, before you go to amen and me too much, because you're going to put yourself right in guilt's direction this morning, if you're not careful. Uh, the second one is the historical Christmas, and that's where the name of Jesus is included, right? And, and the season uh, is all about Jesus. And, and, and the season was in essence, right? Even Santa Claus himself was a reflection of one of God's patron saints named Nicholas who, who truly lived his life, not just, not just agreed with Jesus in name and, and in, a, in affection, but he truly showed. He didn't just say, but he showed with his life lifestyle that he believes so much in the spirit of God and the spirit of generosity and the spirit of Jesus Christ that he was willing to seemingly orphan himself and everything that he had to offer in his time, talent, and treasure just to make sure that somebody else could see the light of God around that time of year. And everything includes Jesus in the celebration. And then there's really one more. And it is this legalistic, I believe, slightly dangerous and completely unrelatable attitude that if we're not careful could actually turn us into the Pharisee. It's where we look at the Christian or the Christmas tree and, and we call it a, a form of paganism and we look at Santa Claus and we shun him and we look at anybody that gives gifts during this time of year and, and we call them you know demonically confused by Lucifer himself and, and there's this attitude and maybe this is even in our heart at times but this attitude that, that we are almost like the Pharisee standing in the temple and looking down at the tax collector and thanking God that we're not as sinful as him. And Jesus addressed this attitude. And I believe that we need to reevaluate in general, wherever we stand in any of those celebrations, we need to reevaluate Christmas. I was uh, all but thrilled that, that we put on the Grinch uh, production this year. And, and by the way, we stole it. Just, I'm just letting you, just totally honest, man. We called another church and, and we asked them to send us the script so that we didn't have to write it and buy it ourselves. Totally honest. We just, we asked for permission, but we took it. And uh, man, we are not about, we don't build a lot of wheels around here, but when we see one we like, come on, somebody. We, like, we can reproduce that and make it our own. So we do our best to do that. And, and I think there's something significant about that when the church actually comes together and stops competing with one another. But that's another sermon for another day. Uh, I was thrilled 
to see the, the new Grinch movie. Have you guys seen the DreamWorks, the new DreamWorks Grinch movie? It's, 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 it's actually pretty good. We took our kids to it a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was kind of fun. Uh, I was in the movie, and I found myself. They have some carolers. I had a hard time saying that. I had a harder time saying that earlier than I did Everlasting Father. But I, uh, carolers in the movie, and, and they sang the song, God Rest Ye Merry Men, Okay, which if, if you haven't heard the the lyrics to that song, go, uh, go, uh, go to YouTube and, and type in God rest ye merry men and then listen to Pentatonix sing that song. <laughs> It'll be so much fun for you, especially if it's in really expensive headphones in your office and you're like getting down all by yourself and nobody else is running. It's like, wow, whatever he does, I can't even. So anyways, they were singing that song and then, and then in this secular movie by Hollywood, they sang, oh, holy night. They were singing, oh, holy night. And they even said the words, when Christ shall come. And I was like, wow, they included Jesus. I was so proud. I was so excited. I was like, man, they're singing Christmas songs about Christ. And they said Jesus and they said Christ. They included Jesus. And uh, this is the part where I told you to be careful. And the Holy Spirit tapped me on the shoulder in my excitement. And he said, uh, when did I ask to be included in your celebration? Jesus does not want to be included in our celebration. He wants to be in control of everything that we are and everything that we do. And I actually, in that moment in my office on Wednesday, I wrote down this this statement, and, uh, and I believe that it was a prophetic word for me and possibly even us. I, I actually be- believe that secular society will begin to once again include and tolerate the name of Jesus and even the movement of Christianity. I believe that they will do that. And in the midst of me writing that down in my notes, Pastor Weston unintentionally confirmed it. He didn't know I was writing that in my notes. He didn't even know I was working on my sermon. He sent me a video of our president once again reminding our nation who Christmas is really about and intentionally including Jesus in the celebration. I'm not saying our, our president's not saved or becoming saved or saying whatever. I don't know. I don't know his heart. I don't spend enough time with the man. Okay, I, I can look at his Twitter account and make a few judgments, but I, I, tend, I don't want to do that. I pray for him, and I pray that God continue to work on his heart. But listen to me. Listen, listen, hear this. Lucifer himself is completely content with us including Jesus in all of our celebrations. In fact, I believe that it is a demonic strategy over the last few years that the enemy began to remove the name of Jesus and he woke the evangelical community up. And then we came back and we all went to the polls and, and we got whom the evangelicals thought should be in office so that we didn't have to worry about the other person or people who may have been in office. And now the enemy is allowing the name of Jesus back into a secular society that has never really ever been sold out to Jesus to begin with so that we will once again, once again become comfortable and content with simply including his name and not letting him be in control. And if we're not careful, we will fall prey. We will fall prey to this seemingly significant satisfaction 
And we as a church will once again sit back in our salvation seat and take a sigh of relief because the president read something about Jesus in his presentation to the nation. See, scripture says very clearly to be in the world and not of it. The problem is, and and this is going to get a little bit heavy for about the next 10 minutes, but I promise we're going to bring this back to the place that it should be. The problem is, is that we're in the world and we act just like them. We go to the same movies. We listen to the same music. We think the same. We sound the same. We watch the same things. We concern ourselves with the same academics, athletics, and extracurricular activities. We pursue the same, and we define success the same way as the world. We add in a pinch of Jesus, and we call that Christianity. But that's not Christianity. Christianity is not including Jesus in our celebrations. Christianity is when Jesus is in control of everything that we are and everything that we do. See, corporate America for a long time has been leading the way in innovation, generosity, influence, motivation, and creativity. And corporate America was never created to lead the way in the place of the church that God has his hand upon. We serve the most creative, innovated, motivated, influential, gospel creator that the world has ever known. And yet, we watch other people do things better than us. We're satisfied with mediocrity, even in ministry, and we call it a success because we do something bigger than what we thought we could do. Jesus is included. And so we sit back and we relax and we become content and comfortable in our own possessions just like them. We include Jesus in our rampant routine. We try to play keep up with secular society. We fight for our rights when we could be fighting for their righteousness. We pursue the same dreams when we should offer a divine interpretation. Instead of serving and seeking to save that which was lost, we strive for the same measure of success of which they are striving for. And when they do it better and leave out Jesus, we become outraged. But our motivation should not be the same, and neither should our purpose. We become enraged when someone wants to exclude Jesus. But we should be upset with ourselves for all the areas of our lives where we exclude him. See, the problem is, is that as a church, we would rather just give ourselves kingdom credit for the few places that we have included him instead of receiving the conviction for all the places that we're leaving him out. And so when they live a better life with the motivation of material success, then we are driven, inspired, and motivated with the gospel gospel message of eternal success. We should not be confused, enraged, frustrated, or irritated when they do it better and decide to no longer include him in their celebration. Christmas is not... A compliment to Christ. And Christ is not a compliment to Christmas. Christmas is about Christ and Christ alone. Whenever we celebrate it, whatever we celebrate. See, the problem in our society is not secularism. The problem in our society is our definition of Christianity. 
And when we have a biblical definition of Christianity and we look like St. Nicholas, then we will take back the character that represented our Jesus and we will repurpose him to bring everything back to the center point, the light that is the Son of God and the reason not just for this season, but for our lives in general. And I know that that is convicting and I know that this is heavy. But Jesus is not a compliment to everything else that we do. In other words, we don't have our time, talent, and treasure and glorify ourselves and score a touchdown, drop down to a knee, give God a little bit of glory, chest bump, and then jump up and flex for the world to see how good we are. That's not the point. Because Jesus is not a compliment to our great ability. Jesus is not part of the formula. He is the purpose behind the reason that the formula even exists. He is not part of our lives. He is the purpose behind our lives. Jesus is not the reason for the season. He is the reason for all seasons, and our celebration doesn't end on December 26. It should resonate 365 days a year in everything that we do and everything that we are. So what do we do? So what do we do? Because we're looking and we're going, oh my. Listen, all, I, am, I am not preaching at you. I am sharing something that the Holy Spirit revealed to me personally. That I've just allowed Jesus to be part of the formula. Instead of the purpose behind everything that's produced within the formula. In fact, I made Jesus a what along with everything else that I was doing instead of the why behind everything that I was doing. So what do we do? How do we fix this? Well, I I personally, personally, I take this approach that that Paul the Apostle took, and I apply it to myself, and and, and I allow people that, that love me but are not impressed by me to be involved in the examination. And we evaluate and we examine everything. We evaluate and we examine everything in our home. We evaluate and examine everything with our staff. Why? Because we know, like Paul, that we have not arrived and yet we press on. That no matter how good we did it or how ugly or uh, not good or sinful or maybe even evil we did it, we know that we can always be better than we currently are because we have not yet arrived to where we were created to be. So we examine and we evaluate and we do our best to make the necessary adjustments so that we will exemplify the heart of God and the light of his son in our lives. This is the promise of Isaiah chapter nine. This was the purpose of Jesus' coming. Listen in verse 2 of Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who are walking in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. So what that is, is not just a promise that Jesus is going to show up and fix everything, but it's a promise that the darker this world gets, the brighter the light of God is going to shine. So we don't look at the darkness that the earth has to offer. We don't look at the darkness in secular society, point our finger at it, and judge them and condemn them further 
further away from God than they already are. We look at that darkness and we're not afraid of it. We're not frustrated by it. We don't have fear in our hearts. We understand that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the darkness in the world. And I have the light of God in my soul so I can go into that darkness and I can expose everything in it and my God can come in, save mankind, redirect this world and bring purpose to any people who would like to be involved in this process because he's not part of the formula. He is the purpose that produces every other piece of the formula. The land of darkness, a light will shine. See, the secular celebration of Christmas begins and ends every year. But listen, friend, the church's celebration of Christmas begins and ends every year too. And unfortunately, on December 26th, most of us will go right back to the way that we were before Christmas. In January 1st, we will make resolutions instead of recommitments. And we will do our best to try to fulfill them for a week or two until we fall short. And then we will end up worse off than we were in the previous year. Because we're striving for the same success. We're defining our purpose the same way as the world. And we don't look, sound, act, think, or feel any differently than the people that say they don't want to have anything to do with the name of Jesus. We cannot include him in our processes. We must put him in his proper place. So here's what we do. What is the examination that we make? What do I do about this? Here's the question. Is Jesus a complement to everything else that I do? Or... Is Jesus the purpose and everything else the complement? Because listen, there's nothing wrong with being successful in this culture. There's nothing wrong with winning championships or being the only two teams that beat the one that won the championship. I'm just saying. I got y'all too. I love all of y'all, okay? There's nothing wrong with having nice things And doing everything that you do with all of your heart is unto the Lord. The problem is, is when Jesus is only a piece of the puzzle instead of our first priority. Everything else is a complement to who he is. He is not a complement to everything else. And the reason that our celebration ends is because we seek the same answer to fulfillment that they seek. Instead of knowing and understanding that the only answer to the world's issue, the only solution to our current circumstance is a revelation in our heart of who God is and why he came and who he desires to be in in us, We, we tend to be as forgetful as the people that we accuse of excluding him. So what do we do? We just, we examine and we evaluate And then we make an adjustment and we do something different. We put, listen, we put Jesus back in his proper place. Why? Because we understand that there is a difference between Jesus being included in our lives and Jesus being in control of our lives. And I want to give him control. I want want him to be in charge Because I'm not trying to just make it like the rest of the world. I'm trying to make an eternal difference in somebody else's life. 
I'm not trying to accomplish my own dreams. I'm trying to seek God for the vision that only he could accomplish through me. I'm not trying to receive credit for myself. I'm trying to bring glory to God the Father for everything that he is and everything that he desires to be in me and in the people that he puts in my path. I've got to retune. Number two, if you're taking notes this morning, we need to retune our definition, our celebration, and, and even our conclusion of Christmas. And I'm going to lighten it up just a little bit. Watch this video real quick. One December night, over 2,000 years ago, a shining star illuminated a gathering of kings, shepherds, angels, and animals round a baby in a stable. T'was the nativity, and it marked the end of a journey that began on a donkey's back. Whoa, hold up there, Jeeves. Yeah, I beg your pardon? Your nativity. That's not exactly how it happened. Here, look, let's start with that donkey. Neither of the gospel stories mentions Mary traveling by donkey. And given the 60 miles of rough terrain they traveled, it's more likely they used a wagon. <laughs> Minor details. But then the innkeeper informs them there's no room... Again, the Bible doesn't actually mention an innkeeper. And in the Greek, the word inn refers to an upper room in a house, not an actual motel. Oh, blast. Look, wherever it was, there was no room. So, Mary and Joseph were sent to the stable. Uh, no stable. <sighs> Not in the Bible either. Now you're catching on. And in those days, most animals were typically kept in a cave. A cave? Yuppers. So it could have been that instead of a stable, the Bible doesn't really say. And the Star of Bethlehem? Duh, that's biblical. Well, we're actually right for once. It's a Christmas miracle. Okay, so now came the shepherds and the three kings. No kings. Three kings is from the song. The Bible says magi, which means wise men. Three wise men? That works. Well, not so fast. While the Bible does mention three gifts, it doesn't specify the number of wise men that brought them. You mean there could have been more? Oh, yeah. A whole posse, even. With a crowd like that, it's a miracle the baby Jesus never cried. What, no crying he makes? That's just a lyric from Away in a Manger, not actual scripture. <laughs> well, of course he was crying. You just added a whole crowd of strange men. Eh, yes and no. There may have been many wise men, but they weren't there that night. You see? Okay, that's enough. Except for the blooming star of Bethlehem, you've just dismantled the most inspiring image of Christian tradition. So what's your point? Point? Well, I guess it's this. Even when all of the man-made traditions are stripped away, the eternal truths still remain. Whether they traveled by donkey or wagon, God brought them safely to the birthplace that was prophesied. Whether born in a stable or cave, God provided shelter in a strange new land. Whether there were three kings, three wise men, or many, God called the elect to bear witness and testimony to the birth of Emmanuel. So whether your manger looks like this, or like this, the one thing that remains unchanged is this. A baby boy, born of a virgin, this day in the city of David, a savior 
which is Christ the Lord. Bless you, sir. I'll never look at the miracle of December 25th the same way again. December 25th? Oh, I almost forgot. Stop that. Music! All right, wasn't that good? Come on, that's a staff member show. That's called Retuning Christmas. Uh, we stole that too, so it's it good stuff. Hey, look, uh, Pastor John told me this story, and I'm not sure how, how accurate the details are, just to, but he, I get the essence of it complete still. He was telling me a, a story of, uh, about a guy in uh, western Mississippi, because there's no way that this guy was from north Louisiana, because we all know that all good things come from north Louisiana, so... Uh, <laughs> Just saying, that's in the scripture somewhere, I'm sure of it. Um, this guy was, <laughs> he was a pastor of a church, and, and uh, he set out on a mission around Christmas. They wanted a specific item that Christmas, a little, a little character. Maybe you guys can help me if you remember this. About a decade ago, there was this character that everybody was after, and the name of the character was Tickle Me. Oh, yeah, there you go. See, yeah, okay, so listen. So everybody was after Tickle Me Elmo, right? And everybody's like sticking this thing in the bed with their kid, and he's going off in the middle of the night, and everybody's wondering, why is my kid having nightmares and waking up the way that it is? Listen, if you stick Tickle Me Elmo beside my head in the middle of my sleep, and he goes off in the middle of the night, I'm coming out of bed too. I'm just letting you know. It's going to get ignorant in the bedroom just for just about half a second. So I don't understand. I don't remember like the big essence of this thing, and Elmo's not evil. I'm not saying that at all, but... But this, they like set out on a mission to get Elmo, and, and they fought through the traffic. And I don't know if you like me, but I usually have to rededicate my life to Jesus about three times if I'm getting in a bunch of thick traffic. It's just kind of how I am. Like, I will scream at people that can't even hear me. Come on, somebody. It's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I, I get there, and, and I've, I've, already had to been, I've already had to ask forgiveness 17 times on the way there. And I, I used to cuss, and now I just pray in the Spirit. And so I, my spirit language is strong in that moment if I, if I got that right for the moment. And I get all the way there, and I, I finally get in the parking lot. Oh, wait, sorry, this story's not about me. So he gets all the way there, and he, he finally gets in the parking lot, and he pulls pulls forward, and then he, he turns up, and he, you know, like we, uh, like I think Joel Osteen preached this one time, that the favor of the Lord was upon him, and he, he came around the... <laughs> didn't do that in first service. I don't know why I did. Anyways, he... He came around the corner, and he has his best life now. And anyways, the second, second parking spot on the way up, it was empty. And he's like, oh, yeah, the grace of God is upon me today. See, I had favor over all those people because God loves me more. No, that's not right. Okay, so anyways, he pulled in. He pulled in, and there was a lady standing in the empty parking spot doing this. And he was like, uh, hey, this is a car. You're a person. Uh, and so, so he's like, you know, and she's and she stops him, and he becomes furious. He's like, again, he, she can probably hear him. I hope he didn't cuss. He's a pastor, and sure, he had like his church's bumper sticker on the back of his vehicle. If you're going to act like that, don't buy a bumper sticker. I'm mean, just saying. Like, so he, he pulls up, and he finally backs out. And, and I don't know the moral of the story there. He, I don't know if he went back home but I, or, or if he got Tickle Me Elmo or if he missed out because that lady was in his parking spot standing. By the way, don't stand in parking spots. That's not for standing. It's for parking. Uh, but... That's just not a good idea. Don't try that this Christmas. You may not run across a pastor. Just saying, okay? So, you may run into a car. Anyway, so uh, he, he, he did all that, and he got home. He's like, oh, oh, I can't believe that. that. That crazy lady standing in the, not letting me park. And, and then Jesus was like, 
Has God ever done that to you? Like, uh, hey. And the Lord said, you're acting just like her. You're just not expressing it the same way. But right now, you have the same attitude. Why do you have the same attitude? Because you had the same objective. And when your objective gets off, your attitude is affected. If he'd have had the right objective, not that there's anything wrong with wanting Tickle Me Elmo, but it's our attitude that is the utmost importance in reflecting the light of God in this culture. And when we pursue the same things and we define success the same way, then we look, act, feel, and actually internally become the same as the people that we're supposed to be reaching. Okay? So that's what happened to him. And, and I told you a couple of weeks ago, the, every uh, Thanksgiving, for some reason, uh, the, the word Christmas lights begins to become a, a, a casual part of conversation um, this is put in the ears of my children, and then my children start asking me, when are you going, actually they say, when are we, we, when are we going to put up Christmas lights, daddy? And, uh, and I said, I don't know uh, when you and your mother are all going to get out there and put up Christmas lights, but I can tell you when I not royal we, when I am going to put up Christmas lights. And so, and so we put up Christmas lights, we got Christmas lights up, and then the next conversation is, uh, well, you know, um, man, uh, my father, my, my daddy, my father-in-law, he's got a timer on his lights. And so uh, for some reason, our lights aren't coming on at the right time. They're not coming on at the right, they're coming on in the day, and then they're going off at night. And my, and my, my daddy has a timer on his lights, and the timer comes on, and, and then the lights come on, and they stay on it. You guys can interpret for yourself whoever I'm imitating right now. But I just, the timer comes on and the lights come on at the right time and then everything's right. And so if you drive by my house and my lights aren't on, it's because I don't have the timer, okay? I just don't go buy me a timer, okay? I have like a, a thing that I like what I have and I'll keep working with it and I'll figure it out. I can't tell you that much right now. Okay, so anyway, so... But it's all the Christmas lights, right? And, and I don't have a problem with Christmas lights. So I put them out myself. In fact, I even have a little Santa Claus statue because that belonged to Christianity before the world ever stole him and put him on a Coke can. I'm just saying, okay? <laughs> and he wasn't fat, okay? He wasn't fat. He, 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 he was actually a bishop in Turkey. <laughs> that's, that's where that came from. But every year, even when we have our lights out, really what, check, listen, listen, Having our lights out, like, and on, God help me, it causes, it causes my children to want to go look for more lights. Because, because we have a light, it causes my children to want to go look for more lights. And so every year they ask us, you know, throughout the week even, can we go look for lights and so we will get in the car and and we'll just drive around like if you ever see a random 2005 chevrolet suburban just driving around with their windows down really slow in front of your house we're looking for lights man that's what we're doing and they get really excited about it you, you know what we don't do we don't get in the car pull out of the driveway and start driving down the road and stop at every house that doesn't have lights and go you know what i bet a filthy rotten sinner lives right there 
that is the house of the rising sun. No Christmas lights right there. That's a crack house over there. Look how dirty that thing is. No lights. Darkness all over that place. Filthy, rotten people. Don't even know what Christmas is about. We don't do that. We don't stop at every house that doesn't have lights and point our finger. You know what else we don't do? We don't stop at the, the, the house that's still trying to get their lights up and go, way to be late, stupid. You know what's going to happen to those that are late in the scripture? They're going to be left. When you're late, you're left. That's what happens. Well, look at their lights. Boy, they wasted their time. Don't you know that the white lights go on the trim and the bright lights go on the bushes? Hello? Where do you live? Don't even have their lights right. Why are they even putting them out? Olaf is not in Christmas. Blow up statue of Olaf. That's a Olaf. Olaf. Idolatry. Look, kids, idols. Blow up idols. But they go out and sing songs to them. No, we don't do any of that. Or do we? Do we spend most of our time pointing out the light that everybody else doesn't have? Do we spend most of our time judging the lights that other people are trying to have? Or do we spend our time looking for the light so that we reflect the light that we're supposed to have. You know what we do whenever we see the light? We stop. We roll the windows down and we are all struck by the fact that those lights are lighting up the neighborhood. And when do they shine the brightest? When there's darkness all around. What draws you into the light is the fact that you're the one that possesses it. And when you're looking for the lights, you can let your light shine before men. When we go out and look for the lights, we begin to reflect the one that we were created to reflect. John 1.5 said the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. The darkness does not have control of the light. The light overshadows the darkness. John 8, 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am, as he spoke in the burning bush to Moses, he said, I am, I am what? No, baby, I am who? I am the light of the world. I'm the one that God was talking about in Genesis chapter one when he said, let there be light. I'm the one that Moses was talking to when the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. I'm the one Isaiah prophesied side about in chapter 9 verse 2. I am the light of the world and if you follow me, if you focus on the right thing, prioritize the right way and put me in my proper place which is right in front of you and you take a footstep in my footsteps and you follow me closely and consistently if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life. 
Matthew 4, 16, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Do you remember that phrase? It was in Isaiah 9, 2. They've seen a great light. What was the great light? Those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, where division ruled and reigned, where discouragement took over, where the house of God was more dysfunctional than they were influential in the the land filled with death and darkness. There was a light that cast over the top of its shadow and the light outshined it in every way. Matthew chapter 5 verse 16 said, in the same way that he is, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. We don't have the answer for our issues. We don't have the answer for our darkness, our failures, our mistakes, or our fears. We cannot fix our brokenness, bitterness, bondage, or backslidden nature. But come on, somebody. Isaiah gave us a promise in chapter 9, verse 2. And Matthew fulfilled it in verse 6 when he testified of the Christ. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For unto us a child is born, the son is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. Let's see if I can get it right this time. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Jesus said, I am that light. And when you look for me, that light will shine in you and it'll shine through you. Let me place my light in you and I can use you. I can use you. I can use you, says the Lord. When you stop just letting me be included and you put me in control, I can use you to be the light for somebody else's darkness. Do you know the one thing that we've never gotten wrong about Christmas is the lights. Look for the light. Father, I pray that you would help us right now Every believer in this room, every follower of Christ, may we ask this question. Are you included or are you in control? Are you part of the process or are you the purpose behind everything that we are and everything that we do? Are you a part of our what or Are you the why behind every other what that we have? Are you a compliment? Or are you the Christ? Lord, may we examine right now, evaluate, make the necessary adjustments, and exemplify the names that scripture says that you are. It's for every follower of Christ. Now with every head bowed and every eye closed, listen, don't tune me out and don't get your stuff together. We're on time. This is the most important piece of this entire message. This is the thing that is a heaven or hell issue right now. This message may sound condemnational like I'm preaching at you. 
But hear me with your heart right now. Condemnation is me showing you and telling you something that you don't have any control over. See, this message is a message of conviction. It's a conviction by the Holy Spirit that would draw you to the cross of Calvary where Jesus looked down and he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. The convicting power of the gospel that would draw you to the cross of Jesus Christ and that you with him would die to your sinful nature. You with him would die to your own desires, but that you would be resurrected in the life of Jesus Christ. And for those who are in Christ Jesus, all things become new as old darkness, divisive discouragement, depression passes away. So right now in this place, I want to ask you, do you have the light or do you need to receive today? Whether you need to receive salvation for the very first time, confess Jesus as Lord of your life for the very first time, or you've let your light dim for whatever reason. And you need to recommit your life to Jesus. Perhaps you need to really commit your life to Jesus today. Whatever that looks like for you, in just a second, we're going to pray. A prayer of confession that will begin our journey because we've got to start our walk somewhere. And if you would like to be included in that prayer of salvation, commitment, or recommitment, With every head bowed and every eye closed, right where you sit, I just want you to lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. Thank you, brother. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. Thank you. I see you. God sees you. And he looks down with the same eyes that Jesus had. And he says, I love you. And I want to fill you with my light. Church, I want to ask you to help us this morning. For all of those who raised their hand and even for those who didn't, we believe that the Bible says clearly, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you shall be saved. You can begin your journey right now through a simple prayer of confession. Come on, church, let's all say this together. Let's help them out. Let's declare it together. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short, my sin, my mistakes, my lack of letting my light shine. Cleanse me. Save me. I believe you died on a cross. You were raised from the dead, and you gave your life so that I could live. So take my life and make it yours. Let your light shine in me and through me. Use me to reach people. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give him praise in his house this morning? Isn't he good? Come on, stand with us all over the room.